Yep. All right. I believe Craig J is on the line. Craig Bunner, TSN hockey analyst. How's it going this Thursday morning, Craig? Good afternoon now. Yeah, it's going great. It's still morning where I am in Alberta. It's minus 40 with the wind chill, a little bit of snow. But uh, I'm in front of the fireplace watching curling. I love the curling. I think TSN coverage of curling is out of this world phenomenal. Unbelievable. The curling is great. And, uh, I mean, the, the broadcast team and uh, and everybody that, that does the production. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. So you said there's a little bit of snow. Toronto got themselves quite the snow dump over uh, overnight. Did you guys get the same out in Alberta, or how's the snow situation there? We've had 40 centimeters in the last 48 hours, so go cry about your couple inches. <laughs> <laughs> I will, Craig. I will. Uh, we haven't had a chance to catch up with you since the trade last week. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, a late Friday night one going down. O'Reilly and Achari have, have come into the lineup. And um, What have been your early impressions on uh, what impact they've had with the Leafs? Early impressions? I mean, I, I can tell you this. I didn't even need to watch it. I would know what the early impressions are. The early impressions are outstanding because Ryan O'Reilly has been that. And, you know, no, Charlie just gives you more depth deeper down in the lineup. Gives you, gives you options, gives you weight, you know, gives you some opportunity to put them in spots to take face-offs that, you know, become critical at different points of the playoffs. But, I mean, it's, I, mean I, I thought Morgan Riley summed it up perfectly last Saturday. You know, when he was asked about, you know, the trade and everything, he goes, we're a stronger team today than we were before we made the trade. Bottom line, that's what they are. And there's, there's absolutely zero indication at this point in time that that won't uh, continue to be the case from Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Chari. Craig, so you sat in that seat that Kyle Dubas is occupying. Obviously, a lot of pressure on him to make this the year that it all works in the playoffs. You assess your roster. You heard us just running down those defensive pairings. Riley Brody, Giordano Lilligren, Sandine Hall. What is your level of urgency to add to that defense core between now and the March 3rd trade deadline? I would say hi, Dave. I would say hi. And, you know, obviously the news about Jake Muzzin, it wasn't surprising, but it, it, it now puts uh, everything into total uh, focus, uh, of, you know, with the absence of him going forward. I, I, I don't think there's any question that the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs adding a defenseman, adding a, a defenseman that can play in your, uh, your top two pairs, uh, and, and really probably your second pair would, would be something that would strengthen this team even further. And, you know, one of the things that the playoffs, uh, you know, uh, you know, demonstrate is that, you know, when you're playing the same team, you know, you start to focus in on areas where you think you can exploit, where you can lean on a team and try to open up opportunities. And I don't think that the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, are looking at uh, Toronto and not seeing that the blue line is an area to, to try to exploit. And doesn't mean that they're not good, but I, I think that's the area that if you're Kyle Dubas in the Toronto Maple Leafs, you're looking at trying to solidify and strengthen. Because if you're Tampa Bay, that's where you're zeroing in to try to take advantage. So is there a certain type of player maybe that you think they should go after? Like there's, there's been the, you know, now that Jake Muzzin's officially gone, like that seems to be a, a type of player that they could add, but is there someone out there that you look at as maybe a good fit for this team? Yeah, like I mean, like I think it's got to be somebody that's uh, like kind of fits the, the physical stature of, of a Jake Muzzin. We know that the Toronto Maple Leafs, 
you, you know, the way they play, they want to, they want to have players on the back end that can move the puck, think, and, and really get the puck moving to those forwards. And, and, and that's essential to, to, to be a good team and, and, and to strengthen your group. So there, there, there's number, like, I think, I mean, you, you can run through the trade bait board and you, and you can talk about Chickering and you can talk about Gavrikov and you can talk about Jake McCabe and, you know, you can talk about Kevin Shattenkirk, or you can talk about John Klingberg. I mean, I, I'm just mentioning some names that are out there, five names. But the physical, physical stature, they all have it. They all, they're all good puck movers. You know, some are a little bit more weighted to, 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 to defending. Some are a little bit more weighted to moving the puck. But I think that, you know, when you, when you talk about that, just that group of five, and, and there, there can be others, you're looking at players that – you know, still fit the mold uh, or the, the identity of what they want and puck moving and getting it, and getting the puck out of your own zone. But they also add, you know, some some weight and and, and, and they add some size and reach and length. You know, Gabrikov plays differently than John Klingberg, who plays different than Kevin Shattenkirk, who plays different than Jake McKay. But they all add some size. I, I don't think the Leafs need a smaller defenseman. I don't think that is something that's going to help them. And yeah. No doubt about it. So I think we're all in agreement on that, uh, Craig. But And I think, look, the shopping list, it could be never-ending if you're a GM and yeah. you want to spend assets. But So if, you, if you're set on the idea that they're going to get a defenseman, what would be your feeling on the goaltending? Because we do know that Matt Murray, as much as he is a proven two-time Stanley Cup champion, you can't take those rings away from him, he has also been a very unreliable presence on this team, continues to be out with an injury. He's had multiple absences from the lineup uh, with various injuries this season and in the past seasons. How much would you be concerned that you know, you'd be relying on Ilya Samsonov, a guy with one career playoff win to his name, as your number one, and possibly a, a backup situation of a Joseph Wall, relatively unproven, a, an Eric Schalgren, relatively unproven, if you can't rely on Matt Murray, and how would you sort of approach that between now and Friday's deadline, Craig? So, Dave, like, I think that it's clear that, uh, you know, when you look at Matt Murray, and nobody's taken away his Stanley Cup rings. He, he was really significant. But even in the second one, if you go back and look at it, and you pointed it out, 2017, he didn't make it through the warm-up of game one of the playoffs. Right. And Marc-Andre Fleury was there. And, I mean, uh, Matt came in during the uh, conference final versus Ottawa and, you know, then, then wrote it. But, I mean, even, even then, like, so this is not something that's new. And, and, and it's something that, that uh, I, I think when you look at Matt Murray, it's there. It's, it's not going away. It's there. So now you ask me, what's your level of comfort? I'll tell you what, it's not high. When I said urgency is high for a defenseman, well, it, your, your confidence isn't high in this case. I, I really believe that he's got to go find a, 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 a capable number two goaltender at the very least. I mean, I just, I mean, number one goaltenders are, are not a good, but, but a capable goaltender with experience that can come in. You know, who they are and, and, and who's available and, and whatnot, I mean, that's something you got to explore. But, but I don't think. You, you know, if you're Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Maple Leafs, that you're going to, you know, be really enthusiastic about reaching next Friday at 3 p.m. and not having uh, an NHL goaltender in your in your group that has experience to, to go in the playoffs. Because I, I think that that becomes a really important. If, if you ask me, given a choice, I think a defenseman absolutely helps, but a goaltender would be one that would give you a lot more comfort. We're chatting with Craig Butner, TSN hockey analyst, and uh, 
Craig, Austin Matthews has been held pointless in, in the last couple of games. Just one goal since returning. It, it just He's kind of been a little bit silent and, and quiet to what we expect Austin Matthews to be. How affected do you think he's been by being split up with Mitch Marner? Because we saw him last year, played the best he's ever played. And this season, it, he just hasn't been able to get back to that level. I mean, not to say that Nylander's not a, a terrific piece but uh, and a terrific player to play with, but I don't know. Do you, do you think that there's something to it where he's just not – he hasn't been as effective, and maybe that's due to the fact that he's not playing on a line with, with Mitch Marner? I think he's a bum. I think that it's clear now. Like, you know, overrated, <laughs> he's a bum. Like, you know, you, you just bring up, you know, I'm all kidding aside, full, 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 sorry, I'm cheap there. Uh, is William Elander having a career season? He yeah. is. Well, Austin Matthews is a big part of that. Yes. So I watch Austin Matthews play, and I watch how, you know, he had 60 goals last year. And, 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 and that's, I mean, the last guy to do that was Stamkos in 2012. So, I mean, this is not an easy feat to do. Austin Matthews is a top-notch player. Okay, we know that he had an injury, you know, and, and, and missed the three weeks. And, you know, he missed a little bit before that. And who knows what was ailing him. All I know, I think that Austin, you know, we know he doesn't kill penalties. And for me, this is just my own thing. I think to win the Selkie Trophy, you have to, be, you have to kill penalties. But that doesn't mean because you don't kill penalties, you're not a really good two-way centerman, a really good all-around centerman. And that's what I, I see Austin's game being even better as, a, as an all-around two-way centerman. Think about the goal uh, that he created the other uh, on Tuesday in Buffalo in the neutral zone where he creates the turnover and Bunting goes the other way. I mean, yep. those are the types of plays that Austin Matthews is, has been doing. They were without defensemen for long stretches of, of the year this year where they asked their forwards to come deeper, especially their sentiment, to come deeper down and really support the defensive effort. Austin Matthews has been a big part of that. I have zero concerns about Austin Matthews. And the other thing with Sheldon Keith is, you know, you watch how Nylander's playing. That's a, you know, that's been a big part of what Austin has been able to contribute. You know, you watch how Mitch plays. I mean, Mitch, Mitch is a top-notch player. But it gives Sheldon Keefe options. Like, you know, depending on how things start to shake out come playoff time against the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know now, okay, Tavares can play with Marner. Nylander can benefit from Matthews. You already know what Matthews and Marner can do. So taking it to, to this end and conclusion is when I look at it is now you know what Austin and, and Mitch can do. Now you see what Ryan O'Reilly and, and Marner and Tavares can do. And, and now you, you can position yourself come the most important time for this Toronto Maple Leafs team, which is the playoffs, to be able to exercise those strengths. The strength of Marner and Matthews hasn't gone away, but they, I think they've added strengths in other areas that can definitely help them. You talk about the injuries on, on defense, uh, Craig, and obviously one of them uh, was to Morgan Riley, who missed a, a 15-game stretch. And I'm interested in your take on that because we've talked about it on this show. During that 15-game stretch without Toronto's number one defenseman, Craig, the Leafs became the best defensive team in the league by a lot of measures. They, you know, they had 32 goals against in those 15 games when Riley was on the sidelines, he's come back in the 23 games since, and they've been more of a mediocre defensive team, and he hasn't been himself. You know, he's been a, he's been a big minus in, in a handful of games, a minus three the other night against Chicago in a disappointing loss. 
it's looked uneven to be kind. What do you make of that? And and you know what does it say about a team that that played so well defensively without their number one guy, and now that the number one guy's back, it hasn't gone quite as seamlessly. Yeah, and and, and I and, I mean Morgan would be the first one to recognize that, and, and Morgan has high standards, and you know all all that assessment is fair. So you know one of the things that happens with players when they end up with uh, a leg injury, in the case that that's why Morgan missed games, was. You know, you you don't get to you lose that when you're rehabbing that. You you can keep your upper body, but all the things that help you be a real significant player. And for Morgan, the stating is the standout quality. You know, getting back into rhythm, getting back in, and it's not just skating forward in the speed. It's turning. It's handling handling the leverage and handling the the, the one-on-one battles. So what I would say to this is, you know, I think that you, you know, for Morgan, we, we he knows. That, that, that he's got another level that he can hit, and I think he will hit it. I think now where the Leafs find themselves, it's about understanding, let's make sure that he continues to build his game, continues to strengthen it, and, and find that, that, that rhythm that makes him a real solid player, and he, and he just adds to a defensive effort that has been good. But, I, I, again, he, he, like Austin Matthews, like I want them on my team and I'm not concerned about them, despite – you know, what we might call some recent, I, I wouldn't call them wobbles. I would just say some level that we, that we don't, that we rarely see them play at. We usually see them play at a much higher level, but I'm not concerned about either one of them. Craig, have you ever seen the narrative of one player change within the matter of a week than you have with Patrick Kane? I mean, since last week after that Toronto game, you know, didn't play very well. Since then, he's come alive. Seven goals, three assists in four games. I mean, like I said, a week ago it was always oh, washed, just doesn't have it anymore. And now all of a sudden it's, wow, this guy looks like he's showtime again. Listen, you want to doubt Patrick Kane, I'm going to doubt you. So go ahead, go <laughs> doubt him. Because I could understand if it was if it was years and years. He was a dominant player last year. You know, A.B. and Dave, this happens all the time in scouting. If you want to go catch a player, play good and you think he's a good player because he played good or he's not a good player because he didn't play good, you're going to make lots of mistakes. It's not about watching a player over a short stretch of period of time. Patrick Kane's resume is unbelievable. He's a difference maker. How many difference makers are there in the league? Not that many. And, you know, one of the biggest things that I think has affected Patrick Kane, we know what a great Chicago Blackhawks player he has been. Last summer, they burned the house down. They burned the house down. And now you're trying to not only play, but you're trying to, you know, get your head wrapped around, this is a team I care about. This is a team that I want to be helping win, not, not sitting here with all this uncertainty around him. And then, okay, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? And you can bet that him and Jonathan Taze have had lots of conversations about it. But that's a big factor for a player that, that, that has given everything to the Chicago Blackhawks, and I've said it. There'll be a statue outside the United Center one day of Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tate. So all those factors go together. Doubt Patrick Kane at your peril. He's a difference maker. And there's only one thing that'll keep me from not believing that Patrick Kane cannot help your team, and that's broken legs. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, uh, there, was, there was the concern over the hip. Like, there was, there was concern over the hip Who injury. The hip? Yeah. Speculation. Okay, that's fair enough. Fair enough. There's yeah, speculation okay. about never, that. But. I, never, I never doubted Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane can come and play for me any day of the week, any second of the day. 
Well, interestingly, New York ended up making that move to bring in Tarasenko, but reports now coming out of Chicago and New York that there still could be some interest in uniting these two if they can make it work cap-wise. Like, if you're Chris Drury, how aggressive would you be to try and make that happen? Would you be willing to give up, like, a good young roster player to make the money work? Well, who's the good young roster player? Right. Well, I've gone through cap-friendly. Like, there's a... There's... <sighs> There's not a whole lot of guys that you would want to move out, but let's say, I don't know, like a Capo Caco who hasn't necessarily played up to his potential. I know he's, he's having a better season this year, but as for money, I mean, that would work moving that out, but it's it's tough. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so you, you want to win the Stanley Cup, and, and, and you've got a team that's really good in New York, right? And you've got to consider a difference maker like like Patrick Kane Potentially sacrificing a young player like Capococco. There's a price to winning. There's a price to doing it. And, you know, you start to look at it and you start to think, okay, well, we got Brendan Othman, who, who, who's, a, who's a good young player. You know, so if we get Kane and we think Othman can come in next year, is that worth it? So we're not talking about a player that you're kind of going, well, we'll see, you know, it makes us a little bit better. He's a difference maker, Patrick Kane. And, Chris Drury has won a Stanley Cup as a player. He's positioned the New York Rangers last year, making moves that made them better right to the conference final. And to me, Chris knows the price. He's paid the price. And he, he knows that if you want to win, there's, no, there's nothing, there's no, there's no uh, situation that you can't consider. Like, there's things that are prohibitive. I get it with the cap and everything. But at the end of the day, if winning was easy, and these decisions were easy, everybody would do it. Chris Drury's not afraid of hard decisions. Hey, so my, Craig, answer we... is yes. my answer is yes, I would do that. Okay. Trade made. <laughs> Capo Caco out, Patrick Kane in, and uh, who knows where it's heading from there. Hey, uh, Craig, I wanted to get your take. We, we're having Kelly Chase on in a little while, and his esteemed career in the NHL included a two-game stint in Toronto where he racked up 27 penalty minutes in two games. Pretty good, pretty good. Now, you were, that was in the late 90s, Craig. You were a, uh, you know, an executive, a GM around that time, uh, winning your Stanley Cup in Dallas, moving on to Calgary. And I, I've talked to a lot of veteran players in the last few years, and one of the things I keep hearing is when they talk to fans, people say they miss that violence. They miss the enforcer. They miss that, you know, the blood and guts that used to be a big part of the NHL. Um, obviously, we've just we've gone so far past it. We're not going back. But but how do you see that as someone who's been a hockey lifer? Nostalgically, <laughs> you know, yeah. listen, it was a t- it was a time of it was a, it was an era and a time of the game that uh, you know existed. And you, you, you know what? Like it, it, you call it whatever you want, violent, pugilistic. I mean, that's the way the, the game rapidly the, the league rapidly expanded. And, you know, with it came uh, a, a, a scenario where you were trying to add a lot of different players and different players that did different things. And so, I mean, that, that, that was something that, 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 was, that was born out. But even during that era, think about some of the things that came in, the instigator penalty, right? Like, yep. you know, I mean, the, you know, late in a game and, and, and the different things that evolved. I mean, it was already happening when, when, that, when that style of game, uh, when that era was in play. We, we remembered, and, and we go back to it, oh, that was fun and everything. But, you know, the game changes in, in, in a lot of different ways. If you go back 
Montreal Canadiens in the 50s, they, they won those five Stanley Cups. The power play was unbelievable. That was their enforcer. Now, when the league decided the other five teams conspired against the Montreal Canadiens to, to change the power play rules, which said you didn't have to serve the full penalty once they scored, because you used to have to serve the full penalty. They could score right. as many goals as you wanted. So nobody took the risk with the, uh, with the Montreal Canadiens. Well, that changed. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, what ends up happening, people are taking liberties with Richard and Bellavo and everything. And what did Sammy Pollock do? He brought in John Ferguson. And what right. did Montreal Canadiens go and do? They started to win again. <laughs> so, there's, you, you know, you can go back to that and, and you can see where, you know, there's responses and you try to understand, okay, we need to do this now to do that, to, to, to affect positive outcomes. When, when Kelly was playing, that was part of the game. And, and, and everybody was looking for those players and you needed those players. But the, the air is different today, and we're not, as you point out, we're not going back. But it doesn't mean that it wasn't a good time for the NHL. But like anything else in life, you know, there's a progression and, and there's development, and absolutely there's evolution. The players today, ironically, coincidentally, whatever word you want to use, sometimes I use the wrong word, but 2004, 2005 with the lockout. And this year's draft class is all the 05 players. They don't even know that era. Right. They hear about it. And kids born in 98, 97, even up to that, they don't know that era. It's not an era that for them is on their mind. They're on this era. And like everything, eras change. You know, We've gone from a flip phone to the iPhone. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good point. And, and, you know, I guess I didn't really watch much hockey in the 90s. Like, I was just starting to get into it in the early 2000s, so there's still a little bit of that. But it's definitely it's a big change between – you know, the last 20 years, I suppose. And I'm sure 20 years from now, there'll be, you know, there'll be another change of some kind, and it'll look a little bit different. Uh, appreciate it, as always, Craig. Uh, we got, what, eight days till the trade deadline, so next time we speak will be 24 hours before the deadline. So looking forward to it, and uh, enjoy your weekend. I'll be in studio next Thursday. Count Ooh, All in right. studio? I'll be in studio next Thursday for this hit. So uh, I'm there in Toronto, and so I'm looking forward to it. It's always a great thing. You guys have a good weekend. Say hi to Kelly Chase. Send him my best. I'll tell you what. Kelly is a great example of a player who found a way to get to the NHL and was going to do whatever it took and pay the price. And, you know, we should celebrate that as well. Absolutely. Will do. We'll send them uh, send me your best. Appreciate it, Craig.